Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher, your weekly podcast where we have surprise intro music, talk about the Bible, and make a playlist. I'm Matt Cato, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Zach Paris. I am the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry, the University of Colorado Boulder. Well, late August, Zach. We're almost out of the summer. It is Holy Week for me. I, I believe it. How is it Holy Week? What's Holy Week look like for you? What Holy Week looks like for me, Matt, is uh, we're recording this podcast uh, that'll be released on Sunday, August 21st. Uh, August 22nd, which is tomorrow for our listeners, uh, is the very first day of classes. But we've also got board meetings this week before, so i got to be ready for all the student stuff that's happening. We've got the 75th anniversary thing that we're doing on October 8th. Put it on your calendar. Uh, we have, we, uh, we're a pretty advanced organization, and we're doing variable ticket pricing. Uh, I need to tell you, I need to tell all of our listeners about our 75th anniversary. For 75 years, we've been doing campus ministry here in Boulder. This week's episode of The Final Preacher is brought to you by the 75th anniversary celebration of Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado Boulder. Uh, and in that time, Matt, we've been all over the place. Uh, these days, I'm sitting in my office here at St. Aidan's Episcopal Church with my incredible view of the Flatirons, looking across at campus at the Engineering Center. And uh, But that's relatively new. So what we're going to do at 3 o'clock, Matt, uh, Saturday, October 8th, you're going to come to St. Aidan's. Uh, we've got a little happy hour happening. You can have a drink and then you can get on a party bus. We have rented, we have secured a party bus and we're going to do a tour through the history of campus ministry in Boulder, of Lutheran campus ministry in Boulder. We're going to go down to Trinity Lutheran Church downtown where we started up. The old Luther club got started there. We're going to go to all the different sites around campus. You're going to hear some stories from, uh, what our ministry was like from alums, hopefully in those places before you end up back here at St. Aidan's for the big party where we'll tell you what's happening into the future. Uh, Matt, and we're just asking for a donation and uh, to be a part of this. And our donation ask, it's variable ticket pricing, pretty high tech stuff. Uh, the suggested donation, Matt, is your age in dollars. <laughs> clever. That's clever. So let's say, how old are you, Matt? Just an 41. example we could do. 41. Dang, Matt. I thought when you got to 40, you just stopped. Uh, <laughs> don't don't respond to your, uh, <laughs> your guess that way. 96, whoa. Wow. <laughs> just kidding, Matt. That's $41. You can hit me up on the Venmo uh, at B Boulder or uh, through our PayPal giving fund stuff or whatever. Write us a check, cold hard cash, whatever you want to do. Uh, so there's a million things to do to get ready for that event. October 8th is coming up soon. We got to get ready to work concessions for football games for what may be the worst Colorado Buffaloes football team in my 12 years here on campus. <laughs> uh, so really important that we sell stuff for that. But uh, that little lot of things going on Matt, all at the same time. And my daughter went to school today for the first first day of school was today. Today? Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. First grade, ironically, second year at the school. It is a weird numbering system. Yeah. When do you think we'll get over? I mean, we've like established that kindergarten is when your child should begin school. I think pretty universally. Like, let's just go ahead and say, hey, first grade is kindergarten now. Well. That high yeah. school could all be double digits, double digits. I think it's just that we've been working our way back, right? Like from kindergarten to uh, then in the state of California, they're going TK and trying to get school for three-year-olds. So I feel like we're just... 
the problem was we started with first grade at like too old. Yeah, much too old. I mean, I I think my daughter should have started kindergarten. uh, That is publicly financed childcare as soon as she was born. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) Agreed. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's, yeah, pretty busy season. Pretty busy season. I got to bake this weekend, Matt, because our welcome week schedule, which people are here. I imagine there's a lot of incoming students listening to the podcast. Uh, This is the number one podcast of all incoming students to see you, Boulder. Monday, Monday morning, baked goods. It's, uh, you know, we do first day classes, baked goods at least, and and then probably some other Mondays. So I got to bake some, probably going to do some Danishes this weekend. And we got our like welcome back barbecue situation Tuesday night, six o'clock, first like B and B of the semester. You're our B involved fair. We're giving out succulents, so you got like succulents together. And then ice cream truck on Friday. The succulents is a good idea. You're gonna so baking, you bake the Danishes. I bake the Danishes. Is the is the is the baking of the Danishes just spiritually feed feed you? Uh like is the marginal impact greater than you? Go into your local grocery store and pick up some danishes. Occasionally. <laughs> Occasionally. Is it a conversation starter? Like, how does it, how does it play out? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're just way better than just going to a grocery <laughs> store. Like, do I occasionally buy baked goods for our baked good Monday mornings? Yes, I do. Um, but we have a level of, of uh, care here, a standard that we are going to meet. And when I buy them, I buy them from a super bougie, like, boutique bakery Support a local business and and they need to be as good as mine. And frankly, Safeway, looking at you, uh, King Supers, Kroger Brands, so you're not as good as me. Maybe this is the difference between youth ministry and young adult ministry is my kids get the cheapest pizza we can find. That's, <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> that's the, you know, I talk about this uh, when I talk about campus ministry. The fact that we have food is not a differentiator. Everybody, we can't compete with uh the dining halls and stuff, right? Like, you know, there's got to be something else that differentiates us. And what it is, Matt, is our care for students' <laughs> engagement. Uh, and yeah. yeah. Occasionally, it's that the food's pretty good. <laughs> I wonder if I should start um, putting that same level of care into my s'mores that mm. we sometimes have at our, our gatherings. I, I read an article in the New York Times about s'mores. Which yes, they had, uh, and apparently there I mean, was that's a your local... go-to source for s'mores. They were the final there word was... on mean, campfire food. They were, they were like, it was it was ridiculous. But apparently, there are some local restaurants in New York City that are offering s'mores as desserts, but they bake their own graham crackers, graham crackers? Mm-hmm. make their own marshmallows. But apparently, customers drew the line at uh, chocolate. They wanted the Hershey chocolate bar, mm-hmm. despite the fact that there are much better chocolates available sure. out there. People, for that nostalgia value, they wanted the Hershey chocolate bar. I I suspect, Matt, that um, I could imagine the graham cracker, the, the fancy graham cracker, could really enhance things. Yeah. Because uh, the graham sense. cracker is the worst part of the s'more. Not just in terms of, like, obviously chocolate and marshmallows are better, but, like... It just like, it's not even dry, you know, like it, it is the place where it's the, it's the place where the s'more falls apart, literally and figuratively. 
I mean, the article did talk about the graham cracker as simply a, like a vehicle for sugar, that that was really the only purpose of the graham cracker. So then they had many other suggestions for what you could use mm. instead. I wasn't sure. I, I don't know. I think the graham I'm cracker so has something to offer, but that we need to put the graham cracker in position to succeed. <laughs> well, I look forward to uh, maybe some, maybe that's what I'll learn how to make graham cracker so I can post on Instagram instead of my sourdough bread creations. Yeah. I will post my latest graham cracker. <laughs> graham crackers are, are such a strange food, Matt. Like I ate them as a child, right? And then they were yeah. completely removed from my diet for 20 years. And now if there happens to be a box of graham crackers in, in my kitchen, as there does tend to be from time to time, I could eat like a whole package, like one at a time. You're like, <laughs> Damn, yeah. these are mm-hmm. slightly sweeter than goldfish. <laughs> goldfish are in that Indeed. category as well goldfish yeah yeah i mean i don't know how to defend goldfish i like goldfish it's probably because they have so much salt that it's like you just want to keep yeah you like can't stop because it, mm-hmm. it does something to your mouth i wouldn't i don't know how to argue that they're good but which there's... has a, a connection to the text today matt we're not going to actually hit it because it cuts it out um the um the gospel reading, you get one verse and then it cuts a bunch and then you get to the story uh, and it cuts an encounter with Jesus and a man with dropsy, which was thought to be a, a disease of greed, right? Because you drank Ooh. water. You wanted to drink water all the time, but you were never satisfied. So just substitute goldfish. Works. Wow. It's really amazing that we looked at these ancient texts for... How is your wisdom. late August, Matt? Is this... A busy time of year for you? Uh, somehow, uh, somehow it has become so. Uh, I feel like it, for me, it's a combination of uh, getting caught up on all the stuff I kicked the can down the road on during the summer. That's the best part of summer. Um, you know, a uh, little bit of we're not we're not at your level uh, of campus ministry. Um, but I did have two visiting USC students uh, this past Sunday, so I mm. were brand new, and I was like. Okay, I gotta get like I gotta move, gotta gotta move on this. Uh, got some email addresses and gotta do some follow up. So um, we've got to do some tabling in the next few weeks. So thinking about that, um, have not baked any danishes, mm. but you know we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Um, I did refer a student. I felt really good about myself because I had yeah. we had one of our students. She went off to law school uh, in another part of the state, uh, and I was able to refer her to the local campus ministry up there <laughs> that's so, fun you know that's what you do right mm-hmm. man these are the days on some got some referrals coming in those are always really exciting uh oftentimes the people who get referred are the people you're least likely to see uh <laughs> especially when it's driven by parents but um right you appreciate yeah. the support anyway and occasionally they they do show up and they're wonderful people and they're always wonderful people yeah. sometimes they show up and you get to know them uh which is lovely Sometimes yeah. This this one I made because I thought she might actually she yeah. might actually show up. It might actually be useful. She's very very active in ours, so I was like, okay, you know, connect you to the next thing. There's a reason why we have an ELCA national network, right? You should be able to yeah. connect when you move. So, um, yeah, and then just uh, I don't know, gearing up for fall stuff, taking care of business sack, buying some technology. That's always fun. Ooh. I got a grant to buy some technology, so. I've been doing my wish listing, deciding how big a TV to get for the sanctuary. Camcorder? 
Not a camcorder. Mm. Uh, nope. No. Nope. Beepers for the staff. Beepers for the staff. That would be uh, super cool. Um, no, I'm getting audio visual stuff for the sanctuary because mm. uh, we like to do that, but we haven't done a while. And uh, that technology is always changing. So, yeah. I hear you, man. So that's uh, that's what we've got. So we've got. Matt, I think it's time, as we do from time to time, we like to check in on the climate here, do a climate check. Uh, I want you to know, Matt, I'm starting a new book that I, I can't wait to report back on, a book called uh, mm-hmm. Imaginary Mountains, which I think is going to be fantastic. Uh, it's cartographical, but also like some like hoaxes and stuff with some like uncharted mountains and the Canadian Rockies. It was a hoax and stuff. So I'm really excited about that. But Matt, you should know it rained here yesterday. It rained wow. in Colorado. Yeah, it rained. Uh, we got over two inches, Matt. Um, and uh, the town next to me got got much more than two inches. And in one day, they received 25% of the rain they will receive that they on average should receive for the year. They got like three inches in the average or three or four inches in the average, you know, 12 to 14 inches a year. Crazy. It happens in one day. Wow. Wow. Yeah. We, we have not had any rain. Send some of it over here. We probably won't get it. The mountains tend to just stop all the right. precipitation. And but, with uh, the weather doesn't move that direction. It moves this. Yeah. Really We'd have to send it all the way around. And it that's not. All the way around. Uh, big news, though. I don't know if you saw it. The feds are threatening to uh, to reduce water consumption on the uh, Colorado by like 15% yeah. if they can't, if the states can't get their, uh, can't figure out a plan to do it for themselves. They're just going to, feds are going to decide. Changes are yeah, coming. I know. Which is exciting. We're going to do things to actually try to ensure civilization exists a few years from now. We we shall see. Yeah, we uh, had our watering reduced twice a week for like 10 minutes a day. So, yeah, it's real. Yeah. We got a flex alert, power flex alert today. I can't use any appliances, big appliances tonight. Oh, Turn off the AC, all that stuff. No refrigerator. No, I mean, we'll let that one go. <laughs> Can't wash any clothes, though. Ah, I know. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. We'll see if we exist. How long this podcast lasts? We'll be recording it from. <laughs> Will this podcast apocalypse outlast Western civilization? Who I wonder knows? if they'll uh, do any restrictions on podcasting. There's just, there are too many of them. <laughs> too many podcasts. <laughs> We need to dial it back. Our listeners would be so distraught to hear that we have to have a 15% reduction in podcast link to conserve conserve power. <laughs> well, we, we should find someone, Matt, before we wrap, close up the old climate bag. We should find someone to walk us through this new bill that's evidently the biggest like climate change bill Uh in the history of the United States. I don't know who that person is, but maybe Peter. Maybe. Seems like it'd be super boring, but hey, that's why you go to Peter. <laughs> that's like Peter's job for the church is to read the really boring documents and then come on a podcast and make jokes about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, 
put that on the agenda. Put it on the list. Boring podcast episode. <laughs> Give them a real change up. Well, we've got some texts to discuss. We do, Matt. They gave us texts for this Sunday. Time for the texts. Where we we switch to uh, complimentary texts, which means we get some of these. Where does Ciroc come from? We get this Ciroc. It seems like we get these a lot. Do you just pick these because you want to get it, be out of left field or what? Uh, no, it's uh, I like the Rock's movies. Um, had an extra <laughs> it's a Ciroc. Oh, oh, that's different. Um, it's what the lectionary says is semi-continuous. Uh, <laughs> Ciroc is in the uh, apocrypha for for Lutherans here, and um, yeah, here you go. Apocrypha is so interesting. Isn't it? I definitely did not grow up with that and encountered it in seminary. So I wonder yeah, how many congregations are reading from Sirach? I fully expect all of them are. And how many congregants go, what, what is this? <laughs> it's pretty good stuff. It sounds, you know, Sirach is, um, according to legend, at least written by uh, Ecclesiasticus, Ecclesiasticus himself, Ben Sirach. So... Uh, if you like Ecclesiastes, then you're probably going to like Sirach. Well, here's what Sirach has to say. The beginning of human pride is to forsake the Lord. The heart has withdrawn from its maker. For the beginning of pride is sin, and the one who clings to it pours out abominations. Therefore, the Lord brings upon them unheard of calamities and destroys them completely. The Lord overthrows the thrones of rulers and enthrones the lowly in their place. The Lord plucks up the roots of the nations and plants the humble in their place. The Lord lays waste to the lands of the nations and destroys them to the foundations of the earth. He removes some of them and destroys them and erases the memory of them from the earth. Dang. Pride was not created for human beings or violent anger for those born of women. Word of God, word of destruction. Yeah, wow. Matt, I think it's worth noting, uh, sometimes we read a text that, uh, that it may make us uncomfortable. There may be some dis-ease, if you will. And so I'm kind of just going to be a little vulnerable here, Matt, and say, hey, I read this. It makes me a little uncomfortable. Uh, and there are a couple reasons why, right? Number one, it says, you know, the Lord overthrows the thrones of rulers, uh, plucks up nations, uh, the roots of nations, plants the humble in their place. Uh, it paints this image of a God who is super involved in the the politics of humans. Um, and that can make... It doesn't square very nicely with how I normally think of of um of how god works right that like elections or uh, processes right that the i don't am not firmly of the conviction that elizabeth is uh the god chosen ruler of the britons right um uh, you you know you start to, to 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 slide that way and you're getting a little monty pythonish uh in like the absurdity of what it's saying here. The other thing I'd say is that it's not true. It doesn't square with reality, right? That um, there's that line and it has some, he removes some of them and destroys them. Feels like a really, <laughs> if God did this, if God overthrew the, through rulers who were full of pride, 
erase their memory from the face of the earth. That, even if we take that to be what we want to have happen, you get this kind of caveat. He removes some of them uh, because I think it's pretty easily for us to think of uh, rulers that we know filled with pride that we don't think uh, God would want to be in charge of things. Uh, and yet they have been or remain so, or, you know, who we can remember. Um, so some uncomfortable things uh, moving in me as we make our way through this uh, unfamiliar text. Yeah. yeah. And I guess as I approach it, it seems like the point of the text is to encourage humility, right? It begins with this beginning of human pride uh, and, and just like invites us into humility. So if that's, that's, that's the, that's the point. That's where we need to end up. The point it's trying to make about the Lord is that the Lord is greater than we are um, beyond us, more powerful uh, than us as human beings. And those seem like fine things to say. It doesn't seem like I hear you. <laughs> I mean, I don't think uh, the Lord is quite the puppet master that we see here. And yet on the other hand, like we don't typically subscribe to the watchmaker theory where God just kind of winds up the world and mm -hmm. uh, kicks back. Um, so somehow God is involved, but it's all, it seems very mysterious. Like we can't actually say for certain um, where God is and isn't. Um, and so th that means that these middle verses strike me as more a flight of imagination than they are like a coherent uh, theology of God's activity in the world, like a very specific uh, and more, more poetry to say, we don't have control. We don't have ultimate control over these things. Um, sometimes the of nations are overturned. Um, sometimes things are destroyed and we do, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't have our, we don't get to decide all those things. We don't have total control over all those things. And so some humility is called for, um, how, how you move that toward good news <laughs> is I suppose the next step. But I think this sense of like the Lord as, um, bigger than we are humans as, you know, under God, uh, seems to be the point of the text and all these specific things are more like ways to illustrate that rather than like real coherent theology. Yeah. Uh, the source text, the original text for Sirach is, is interesting and more complex than my limited like Wikipedia of, uh, of the text. Help me to understand. The bottom line is uh, probably written in Hebrew. I couldn't find a Hebrew version of the text, which is interesting. But I could find a Greek version. Uh, and in Greek, well, the beginning of human pride, pride, the Greek word for pride used here is essentially hyperphanos, which means hyper like over and phanos is to shine, like overshining is what's going on here. That's what's what the, what the concern is. Uh, and I think that's why... I think that's what can be a really helpful way of getting into pride. Because uh, I don't think many people, I don't know, pride is a bad thing. Is, is It helps take us a little further along the road in understanding what we're talking about, even in the negative here. 
Uh, and it might move us into good news that that the the thing to be wary of is overshining. Uh, and the good news within that is that there is a light within you, right? It is not, uh, you are not called to be snuffed out, if you will, mm-hmm. right? Um, but to shine and be who you are, who God has made you to be. Um, yeah. I think that might be the road towards good news here in Sirach. In, indeed. Well, I think it'll come back again in the gospel. But in the meantime, Hebrews 13. Hebrews, Matt, we are right here at the end of it. I didn't look ahead. I'm assuming next week we're on something else because this is the last chapter of Hebrews. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them. Those who are being tortured as though you yourselves were being tortured. Let marriage be held in honor by all and let the marriage bed be kept undefiled. For God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Okay, well, we took a, uh, we were doing great. And then we're getting interesting. Uh, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And so we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Through him, then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that confess his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God, the word of the Lord. Whew. Gotta love Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hebrews full of such good, like, classic lines, too, though. You know, like, you mm-hmm. you read Hebrews, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's where that comes from. Uh, there is, it gets a little wonky there, right? Um, you know, for most... ELCA, uh, mainline Protestants, uh, preaching about fornicators and adulterers, not a, usually our go-to, uh, but it starts with let mutual love, which is, uh, in Greek, the mutual love referred to here is the name of one of the top, uh, I don't know, five major cities in the uh, Northeastern corridor, uh, Philadelphia or Tr- no Philadelphia. Uh, and so I think that's the the lens that you can look at these other exhortations through, right? Um, mutual love, love for the other, um, love for your brother, that sort of like interconnected love, remembering those who are in prison as, as if it was you, remember those who are being tortured as if it was you because you are connected. That is, you belong to one another. That is the reality. Um and, you know, I mean, I think that can be be read into the let marriage be held in honor by all, let the marriage bed be kept undefiled, um, that, that those places are places of mutual love, where the mutual love of God should abide as well. Yeah, I like that, that interconnectedness that makes sense and have it derived from that mutual love. Philadelphia, nice connection. Uh, I wonder if that'll help us with songs. It helps me with songs. Good stuff. I um, also think this is helpful. The epistle is not always 
uh, complementary. But if we're thinking about, okay, be humble. Well, how do you live uh, the kind of life that these texts recommend? Well, Hebrews starts to give you some ideas here, um, showing hospitality and respecting one another and being in solidarity. Um, these are all ways to live out a life of faithful humility. And that interconnectedness, I mean, this is where your Jesus stuff comes in here, is is not limited to the people of God, living as the people of God to your brother, to those who you live around you. It is It, it, it extends to God as well, right? It, that first yeah. section there ends with, I will never forsake you, I will never leave you. The interconnectedness is is between you and God as well. And that can help flip it back onto that, like understanding pride from, from Sirach that, that I think oftentimes our, the temptation to, to pride, to overshine comes from a fear, a, a lack of security and assurance that what we have, the light that we have is, is, is enough. Right. And so we, we get mirrors and we build lighthouses and we do all the things in order to save ourselves, to, to make up for those insecurities. Uh, and here's, there's a real promise to, um, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid to, to relax into who God has made us to be. And that is a people who are interconnected with one another and with God. Um, the other thing I'll throw on there to add, um, you know, in one of my favorite internet debates about God is, uh, is God, does God change or is God the same? God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, and, uh, internet commentators might like to argue one way or the other, but I think it is both, right? Wow. Both and, Matt. Lutheran pastors here on the podcast came to both and. that The thing that is the same about Jesus Christ yesterday, today, and forever is Jesus' commitment to us, to be interconnected with us, and that that requires mutual love and humility um, that can oftentimes look like changing. Uh, doing what is necessary to be interconnected, um, making those sacrifices and those compromises. So there you go. In a liminal direction, I'll move things, Matt, from time to time. Hey. <laughs> Amen. Um, gospel, Luke chapter 14. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, a lot of information there, they were watching him closely. Skip ahead, verse 7. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, (laughs) he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. And then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He also said to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you 
for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Wow, what dinner fork, which fork is Jesus going to use for which course at this meal with the Pharisees? That's kind of what's going on here. I don't know. They're watching him. <laughs> this reminds me uh, when I was in North Carolina in June, Matt, uh, we went with uh, my family. My grandmother wanted a big family uh, dinner. And so we went to this restaurant up in Boone, North Carolina, home of Appalachian State University, the Daniel Boone Inn, uh, where we had this big family style, like country cooking kind of deal. And uh, you got two forks with it, right? Uh, because there was uh, a lot of options for what you're going to eat here. And when they sat down the two forks, my nephew, uh, who is, I love dearly, and is very much from uh, rural North Carolina, uh, saw the two forks and he said, this place is too fancy for me. Uh, that's kind of what's happening here, right? Like the discomfort that you might feel uh, being in, put it, sat down at a place where uh, they got forks you don't you're supposed to do with or too many spoons, all those sorts of things. Uh, and it feels like everybody's watching you to make sure you choose and do the right things. Uh, that's what's happening for Jesus here. He's been invited to this dinner, which number one, interestingly enough, the the way table fellowship worked in the ancient Near East was very caste-based. It was very discriminatory. You only really ate with people of your same level. You didn't want to eat with people below you because then you could get kicked out of the higher social classes. Uh, and you actually would rarely want, you wouldn't want to eat with people above your place in society because there was a an expectation of reciprocity that if you received a dinner uh, invitation from someone, then you in turn had to invite them to a dinner. And so if you got invited to a big fancy dinner, the expectation was that you would invite them to a big fancy dinner that you may not be capable of, of pulling off. So people would, would turn down requests from, from people with higher social classes than them. Uh, and so Jesus, number one, gets invited to the house of the Pharisees, who interestingly enough are, are by doing this, are proclaiming that Jesus is one of them, isn't equal. So that's something a little unexpected. Uh, and then everybody's watching Jesus to see if he fits into this new, uh, this social class, because he he is not born into this social class. This is an upward mobility thing that happens for Jesus, right? Jesus, son of the carpenter, all that kind of stuff, Galilean, uh, from the Galilean countryside, the kind of person who would show up to this dinner and say, see the two forks and say, dang, this is too fancy for me. Um, that's who Jesus is expected to be. And so now they've, they've, they've let him into the club. They want to see if he's going to play by the club's rules. And uh, Jesus does not. That's the spoiler. What, um, what does he do to not play by the rules? Uh, you know, he, um, well, he heals a man with dropsy. Uh, first of all, that's what he starts off by healing someone on the Sabbath, which is a big no, no. Uh, so things have escalated by the time we get into the real, real meat of the readings this week. Um, and so then he's just lecturing them, <laughs> right? Uh, when you get invited to a wedding banquet, don't sit down at the place of honor, right? Like choose humility because then you can, you can, um, what, he, what he's really saying, I think what I would draw out of these two, this teaching is a real cross-shaped vision of life, right? That the real places of honor are the places of shame, uh, that the real pride and glory is actually in the place of, you can find that only in the place of the humble. And he's giving this one kind of small example of how, like, if you assume glory and power and pride and sit at the place of honor, the only thing that can happen for you is shame. Uh, but if you assume humility, 
um, that is the path that leads to those things, to, to power, to, to glory, to honor. Yeah, one of the things that strikes me is strange. I mean, it's it does feel like he's just lecturing them. But then also that he's giving like sort of practical advice, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like it's not really, it, it's not like he, he says, I mean, set, set aside the end part for a moment, but this middle section, it just seems to be like shrewd advice. Like, yeah. You know, like, yeah, you want to be at the high spot on the table, but like, here's the better way to get there, guys. Like, it's not, it doesn't really feel like a, like an ethical command. It's more of like this sort of shrewdness. And then what's the, like, what is the point? Like, why is this, why is he taking the time to do that? Like, so either, it seems to me like it's either got to be like, it's just a, it's just this like practical advice is just a setup for this, for where he's going which is to get them to invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame, and then to talk about this kind of much bigger picture than this actual wedding banquet. And, or <laughs> it's part of his like be wise as serpents kind of yeah. deal where he, he sometimes does have like a, Hey, let's be shrewd about this. Like we're not just the gospel is shrewd. And so sometimes, right? right. Like, so Jacobian um, spirituality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's some there's some Jacob in him here, right? So like, so that feels like a piece of it too, right? It's not this just kind of, I don't know, obvious moral lesson or even just like, yeah, let's just do the right thing no matter the consequences. But he's more like, oh, here's here's a smart move. Like, yeah. What? <laughs> I think that's maybe part of the good news for me in reading this is that the gospel of Jesus, the way of of uh, love, as my Episcopal friends might like to talk about it these days, the way of Christ is not so otherworldly, right? You don't have to be a full saint in order to walk that way. It works in the world that we know, right? And there's compelling, like, there is a compelling reason for why the gospel is real and it's real in our lives and it it affects this world that we live in. Uh, And it, you know, if, if, if being shrewd makes us uncomfortable, then it's a little uncomfortable because it is shrewd, um, but it has real world results for real people. Um, I'm struck as I prepare to start another session semester of setting tables uh, up and serving meals every week uh, for folks. Um, we're working this year with the Volunteer Resource Center um, to who are interested in connecting students to our meals. Um because there are hungry students on campus. Um, and so we have had to like, as an organization, take really seriously, like we don't need our meals to be a, um, what you got it, uh, a ball and switch, switch. Is that a, that's a phrase, right? A bait and switch. Bait and switch, ball and switch, a bait and switch situation, right? Where like, <laughs> you like to come get the, the really nice Danishes and I'm going to make you a Jesus person. Um, but that we, to work with the VRC, the Volunteer Resource Center, we need to really like believe and trust that God wants us to feed hungry students um, and that it doesn't need to be, not that it was ever like, we were never really bait and switchy, right? But like the lines could get blurred, right? Of like, what, is this a Christian club uh, who has a meal or are we using this meal as a part of what God wants us to do in the world in terms of feeding hungry people? 
Um, and you know, that means there are probably going to be more people at our meals every, every week, um, when we commit to that level of humility. And so is that shrewd, right? Like that, it's just true, you know, that if, when, when the ministry of the gospel engages the world that people know in people's lives, it works, it helps, right? It works. That's what it's there for. Yeah. Also pretty clear, yeah. these guys, he's also Jesus in that last section, uh, makes it really clear they're not getting an invite to his house. <laughs> you know, the expectation would be that Jesus would invite them all over for a dinner next. And he's like, uh, just a, a moral teaching here. Uh, don't invite people who can invite you back. You don't want to expect anything in return, right? Uh, he, uh, he moralizes it so he doesn't have to, to host the next dinner party. Smart move. God, it's shrewd Jesus this week. <laughs> shrewd Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, and it it drives us back to that. Uh, you know, what if what if the gospel actually helped you live in this world? <laughs> crazy idea. Might, might be might be good. Yeah, you know, what a crazy idea. What a crazy idea. So this seems like a good uh, text for that. Cool. Right. Good this text, text engaging. Ended up in a better spot than I thought it would. Yeah. We had fornicators. We had overthrowing <laughs> leaders wiping their memory from the face of the earth. Um, and now we got songs, man. Wow. What do you got? Matt, I report and reporting back live this week from my concert experience. I continue to think that house concerts, Matt, are the way of the future. They're the way that old people should only listen to music. And by old people, I mean, however old I am and up, including 41-year-olds, Matt, like yourself. Uh, because went to a house concert that a friend hosted uh, at their house, which has a beautiful backdrop of the Sangre de Cristo Mountains, gorgeous Covenhaven, Coven, oh gosh, Covenhoven was there, who's fantastic, Joel Van Horn, uh, who's the lead singer of Covenhoven, Covenhoven, oh, I can't. Anyway, we're going to work on getting Joel on the podcast. He hangs out with Gregory Allen Isakoff. Uh, Gregory sings on some of the tracks on his most recent album, which is beautiful. You should check it out. Um, but, you know, you get a really intimate experience. You spend just as much, like, you spend almost the same, like, in general, right? Like, you're do you donate to the musician and you buy stuff, right? And you spend about as much as I would to go to Red Rocks, except I don't have to deal with any people. Right. And you get to hang out with the musician afterwards. Like we all camped out up there because it was like pretty remote, but a gorgeous spot. Right. So he stayed that night at the cabin um, and like a bunch of us were there and we had tents and stuff. Right. So like hang out with him, talk to him about the music and stuff. We got to talk about why the baritone ukulele is having a moment because he plays he plays the berry, as he called it. Um, but he's the grandson of a Lutheran uh, minister, I believe, or grew up in the Lutheran church. What? Um, the the songs have some deep religious imagery. Uh, and so hoping to get Joel here on the podcast at some point. He's doing an East Coast Midwest tour starting the next couple of weeks. So look him up. Uh, I'm going to put his song off of his third album, which is not his most recent. Uh, the most recent one's called Four IV uh, there for you. Um, but gosh, it's good. Among the giants, I was lying just to try and measure up playing David and Goliath, acting like there never was. Something that separates the mighty from the broken winged dove. And I might find it out there hiding if I was looking hard enough. Uh, gosh, uh, among the giants, I was lying just to try and measure up, right? He's pride, right? Overshining is what he's talking about there. So I'm putting giants 
off of Coven uh, Hoven's. Coven Hoven is the name of his family cabin up in Wyoming. That's we're gonna. We need to get Bob to ask him how to pronounce the name. Yeah, I know. Or just to teach me some mnemonic devices to get it right. Uh, the album's called A Kind of Revelation, and you should certainly check it out. You can get it on Spotify, all the normal places. Uh, and then, Matt, I'm going to – I've jumped the gun here. I hope I'm not stepping on your feet. I've taken all the good Philadelphia songs. Uh, so I'm going to put Philadelphia Freedom by Elton John on there. And then uh, I'm going to steal a Bruce song, Matt, uh, Streets of Philadelphia. But I'm going to do a cover by one of my favorite acts, Waxahachie. And that's what I'm listening to. You can also nice. get Coven Hoban, if you have a time machine, uh, playing this Saturday, the day before this podcast is released, at Planet Bluegrass and Lions, just north of Boulder, with uh, uh, Elephant Revival, which should be a great show that I'm Bam. not able to attend. Fantastic. I wonder if we could get uh, Elton John to do a house concert. Oh, man. We all just get together, get your friends to Venmo, Elton, like 75 bucks. Be great. You know, I have really taken well my hot take then... that, that the Red Rocks is too big a venue for the Avert Brothers down to like, you should only go to shows in your backyard with 15 people. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only appropriate yeah, venue. You're really, you're really on that train. Wow. Let Next week, my hot take is going to be like, you should only do one-on-one concerts. <laughs> Just one person sitting there in front of you. I'm so committed as a community organizer and pastor to the one-on-one concept. I want to extend to concerts as well. I want the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones to blast their trumpets right into my face. (laughs) Sounds sounds pretty good. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, well... Since you got Waxahachie doing Streets of Philadelphia, I'll do I'll do the original. We'll, we'll throw Bruce on there. We'll, we'll give him a give him a spot. Uh, it's a classic, 1995. Uh, which you know, to give some Bruce context, that song came out uh, after he had broken up the E Street Band, and he was like Max Weinberg out of my face. Like, yeah, like he was Max Weinberg was doing Conan, and uh, I mean, but it was like this really um, in between period for for Bruce. Uh, and so just to have this classic come out, that I think probably won the Oscar. It was really good. Anyway, um, you got to talk about it. If you're going to have a uh, text about humility, uh, you got to put Kendrick's humble on there. Uh, definitely better than anything on his most recent album. Sorry, Kendrick. We love you. We love you. Uh, humble uh, Kendrick Lamar. And then um uh, this image of the banquet, I was like, huh, any songs about banquets? Uh, but I just go to the obvious one, which for me is uh, Crowded Table from the High mm-hmm. uh, A pretty straightforward song, but pretty beautiful too. And maybe is part of what Hughes is getting at in the end. I like it, man. I like it. Speaking of uh, being nostalgic for, uh, for rappers' previous albums, uh, I listened to Coloring Book the other day. <sighs> chance it was so good good. that album was so good man it was so good Uh, yeah yeah it's true it's true Hmm. well it's been real real vinyl